Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park I don't listen to my daughter's vagina more, but I do shop on Amazon. And when I do, I use dollamore.com slash Amazon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. everybody welcome to the show and thank you for joining us episode 505 of i doubt it with dollamore i am your host jesse dollamore and i'm joined today by the lovely the talented the scholarly do not forget the scholarly Brittany page you you looked panicked because i was removing my headphones like i couldn't hear but what i was really trying to figure out is whether or not at bully with a Y Popeye is um, crying because he's always crying. 50% of his day is spent sleeping. The other 50% is spent crying and whining. I think your numbers are off there because I spend 100% of my day with him. Mm. And he never cries and me, me, like whines mm-hmm. with, when it's me. Okay. Well, he. It's when you get home. It's oh yeah, manipulation operation. If I'm not getting ready to go, if I'm not petting him or feeding him, he's whining until I touch him. Yeah. Or give him a carrot because he knows it works. Shit doesn't work with me. Hmm. I actually abuse him when you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I also realize that it's kind of confusing the at bully with a Y Popeye because. Some people may hear that and think, oh. It's bully with a Y, Popeye. Like spelled out, like yeah. W-I-T-H. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just B-U-L-L-Y, Popeye. And this is really important information yeah, well, for you guys bully, to have. Bully is in bulldog, but bully not B-U-L-L-I-E. Right. Now he's whining. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're saying his name over and over. Yeah, yeah. Well. Goddamn dog. Anyway. <laughs> So this is a big week, Brittany Page. Is it? The Mueller report drops on Thursday. The redacted Mueller report. <laughs> That's true. It is mm-hmm. going to be redacted. And it's not going to... 
I've, I've heard some commentators, well, you know, he's going to, Robert Mo- or uh, Bill Barr is going to do it right. He's going to do the right thing by this. Mm-hmm. What evidence do we have that he's going to do the right thing by this? All we have to go on is the four, go- I don't know why we're already into the politics, but the four goddamn page book report he did on on the 400 page Mueller report that was misleading to be generous, to be kind, to be charitable to what he did. It was misleading. Well, you also have what we talked about with the comments that he made about the spying on the Trump campaign without any evidence. Yeah. Um, unable to provide the evidence, refusing to provide the evidence, whichever perspective you want to take. Um, so, yeah, it's it's concerning. And I've I've heard people even express concerns about how the report will be redacted. Right. Yeah. Some people saying, well, what's really the point? Well, I'll tell you the point. Donald Trump is concerned about this still yeah for a report that exonerates him fully no he, collusion he's still no, cons- no 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 uh obstruction he's, no collusion no nothing he's still attacking the report yeah because he's he's nervous for which, what is going to be in it which is weird and i say which is weird not based on his past behavior but just for normal human behavior it's weird because the day that the report that the the summary dropped he acted like Bob Mueller had done noble, noble work. Right. He was a gentleman. Oh, yeah. He's very professional. Did a good job. Mm-hmm. And now he's back to the 18 angry Democrats and all that bullshit. Yeah. And really, like you say, if he's exonerated, then they should be tripping all over themselves to have it released. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited nonetheless. I'm I'm kind of curious to see how they do the redactions because apparently it's not just going to be old, you know, Sharpie, you know, those big giant Sharpies that are the size of a fucking candy bar. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the not ones be... that are best for sniffing. <laughs> if you're into that, I, I guess. Just, yeah. If, if you're into that sort if of thing. That's your deal. Yeah. Um, it's going to be color coded. Oh, like based on what reason for the redaction. Oh, like purple. If it's a private citizen, and they want their information to be kept private hmm. uh green if it's grand jury information oh okay w- that's that's what i've that's the sense i'm getting right so i'm, I'm i find that pretty interesting too yeah but apparently and this is going to be my video uh today when you listen it'll be today wednesday while i'm in goddamn grand jury um the there are white house officials right now more than a dozen former and current white house officials who are walking on Pens and needles worried because they're not sure whether they're going to be named and the information that they provided when they were truthful to the investigators is going to be damaging to Donald Trump. Even though they told the truth, they're they're wondering now what's going to happen. Are they the same ones who are, according to that Hill tweet, uh, stockpiling whiskey and... Uh, staying up at all hours of the night to form a rebuttal to the Mueller report. No, that's the, that's that's Team Donald Trump. That's White House team. To, oh, I see. Which which again is also funny because why do they need to have a rebuttal if it's a complete exoneration? Are they going to re- mm. rebut the exoneration? Yeah. See, the world of Donald Trump, everybody. All you have to really do, guys, is pay attention, and then say, "Huh, this seems odd." Well, this doesn't really fit with what I'm being told. No, well, I think that there's something to that. Obviously, that's what we would do in a normal time. However, this isn't a normal time. And again, I continue. However, I think it's very important to always retain that sense of outrage for for that which is not normal. 
that which is not customary, that which is a departure from proper. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, if it's just, yeah, Donald Trump sucks, I know. Why are we even talking about this? Nothing's really going to change. You have to maintain, like, what the fuck? As long as you maintain that, there's hope for change, I, I believe. Mm. I believe. Why, why are you giving me that? Hmm. I'm not I'm not giving hmm. you anything. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Speaking of outrage, Brittany Page. Yeah. We got a call. I'll just get to the call. Okay. Someone disagrees with me about the Julian Assange. It's always nice. About the Julian Assange. The Julian Assange issue. It's always nice when I... When someone's been listening for about a week, as he says on the on the voice memo, and it's good when I'm pissing off early listeners to the show, when I'm when I'm able to to foster that kind of goodwill with with the newbies in such a short period of time, <laughs> having such a quick, firm impression. It's 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 indoctrination by fi- baptism by fire, as they say. Mm. Hey, it's your boy, Socialist Steve, coming at you from the United Kingdom. I've been a listener for about a week and I just wanted to talk to you about the Julian Assange and comments you, Jesse, made about uh, jail. You said you wanted them to rot in jail, something along those lines, like uh, die in prison. Um, And I just wanted you to, I just wanted to ask a question regarding that. Do you feel the same way about people from the DNC? Uh, because I'm not entirely sure that you can arrest Trump getting into power on Assange or little things like that. It was a a perfect storm, to be frank, uh, at least from my outside perspective. And I think more blame should be placed on the DNC than Julian Assange. So... Uh, I mean, if so, and you, you're you consistent, it's good to hear that you're consistent. I disagree. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for having such a good podcast. Uh, ciao. So, Steve, I did say die in prison. I hope he dies in prison. Yikes. Uh, not rot. Because I think that would be unsanitary for the other prisoners if you got a rotting a rotting guy there. Just die, and then you dispose of the remains. That seems to be the sensible, responsible thing to do for prison officials. <laughs> we did disagree about this, I guess, though, Steve. Um, and I do think it was a perfect storm. However, the easy explanation relative to whether or not the DNC had blame, and they fucking for sure have blame, and, and, and Julian Assange having blame, is one intended to help Donald Trump get elected, Julian Assange. The other one were just feckless morons who didn't who put their finger on the scale for Hillary Clinton against Bernie Sanders inadvertently helping Donald Trump it wasn't their mission it wasn't their goal it wasn't their underlying objective to help Donald Trump get elected so for me it's intent and that's why it's vastly different you know people who who stayed home at the polls thinking that it was a done deal for Hillary Clinton in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. They're, you know, they're culpable, but do I hope they rot in or die in prison because they helped Trump, which in turn, all these things happen with the race relations in our country. No, because they, they didn't have, 
knowledge of malice of forethought. And and uh, Julian Assange did. Julian Assange knew what he was doing when he was doing it. That's the difference for me. But thanks for calling. Thanks for sticking around the show a week at least mm. and giving us uh, a chance to explain. And listen, of course I'm being aggressive about the Julian Assange thing. And if you, I don't think fuck Steve from the UK because he disagrees with me. I don't think that. We just genu- we genuinely disagree. I believe your heart's in the right place. I don't think you're you're a fucking monster for for I don't know if siding with Julian Assange is too too radical. But uh, I hope that same uh, I hope that same offer is extended to me. That you know my heart's in the right place, but you just think I'm uh, fucking wrong. <laughs> Well, while we're on the topic of corrections or clarifications, we received another email from Lindsay. Mm. Listening to number 504, ex-Mormon here from Idaho. Oh, yeah. Here are some clarifications. Seminary, church class during school, is a no-credit elective. Most Mormon kids have to take a zero hour to make up for the missed high school credits. There was a push when I was in high school, 25-ish years ago, to quit using the term Mormon and start using LDS or Latter-day Saint. I don't really care what the church wants to be called, obviously. Still, I used to be Mormon. Yeah, we had... Uh, that's I was, I guess, wrong about the high school credit thing. For sure, That's I want to be right about that stuff. But there, it is during school time. They're excused from school to go across to the church and take their church bullshit. Mm-hmm. Come on. Um, as far as the, the Mormon thing, I, I, you're, you're, you're coming out of it, Lindsay. So you know you'd for sure know more than me. It was brought to my attention. I don't know why I didn't bring this up last episode of... Uh, if it's such a pejorative term, why is it called the Book of Mormon? It's, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know why, but I think maybe it's that people have started using it as a pejorative. It's not that they think they, it's a pejorative. They put a little stank on the word when they say it. Oh, you're a Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't you heard that? You've heard that. Well, of course, but I say that with everybody. Oh, you're a Presbyterian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Episcopalian. Mm, Yeah. So we also got an email about... Thank you, Lindsay. Yes. Thank you to Lindsay. We also got an email about Notre Dame, the cathedral that was burning was on fire and uh i think that that they found that most of it is structurally sound yeah because right? it's pretty much built of stone it's not like a wooden building that's lasted almost a thousand years yeah, yeah but it was a pretty profound sight and a lot of people were upset yeah of course obviously Worldwide, globally yeah watching this happen it was pretty horrific unfortunately a lot of conspiracy theories immediately uh, started yeah. and anti-muslim bullshit spread across yeah. the internet uh pushed by people as prominent as Glenn Beck. Of fucking course. Of course he did. Uh, or at least he said something. You know why, Brittany? Because he's a fucking Mormon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he I don't know if he said a conspiracy, but I know he said something very problematic that was hateful toward it, it, Muslims. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah. We don't need to belabor the topic, but yeah, that, anyway. that shit was happening. Yes. Okay. So we got an email about it uh, from Aaron. Okay. As I type, we're watching Notre Dame burn to the ground. 
Recognized as an architectural marvel, it also stands as a big fuck you to the millions of lives lost or destroyed to please its celestial patron. It is no new idea, but one bolstered by today's events, that humans are wont to rage at the loss of our spiritual and political idols. Whether a flag disrespected or a holy site destroyed, we consistently put the needs of our inanimate icons ahead of those of our most vulnerable brethren. Thousands of Christians, not just Catholic, have joined together in mourning for a building. They're lining up to worship and pray as if the collection of brick and motor matters. Where were these followers of Christ when we learned of the depths of depravity of their most holy leaders? Are we any better than they are, or have we lost sight of our core principles as well? Forgive my insensitivity to the loss of Notre Dame, but I don't give a shit about monuments to human suffering. When will we give a fuck about the thousands and millions of people left behind by the policies that hold up our society? Brittany is obviously the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Who's this from? Aaron. Aaron. Um, Aaron. E. Aaron A. Aaron A. Look, dude, I agree with about half of what you're saying. I agree with the spirit of what you're saying. No, I don't know if that's true. I agree with a little bit of what you're saying, but I wouldn't call Notre Dame a monument to human suffering. There are some positive things that we have gleaned from religion, and one of those things is architecture. And I look at Notre Dame as, I mean, goddamn, it was, it's being built, it's almost a thousand years old. That's something to treasure. That's something to, this isn't like a Confederate monument. That's a monument to hate, to human suffering and oppression. This is, a, this is something that gives people joy, whether it's wrong or right, whether it's real or fake, whether it's, you know, whatever. It does give people joy. This is a, a, a point of national pride. For, for French people. So I wouldn't be as dismissive as to just, you know, because it's attached to the Catholic Church that it's a monument of, uh, I mean, an argument can be made. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't feel that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I totally understand the temptation as well because I, I feel that it is fair to ask the question, like, why are all of these people taking note? But everyone is afraid to talk about the sex abuse crisis yeah, in the sure. church. Um, so I, I understand those points for sure. I am a little hesitant because I have seen a lot of people on social media, a lot of atheists uh, speaking in a way that is rather callous about this. Yeah, sure. And I, I don't think that that helps the cause. Yeah. I don't think that it brings anybody to humanism. I don't think it's a very humanistic perspective, I'll say, as well. Um, so I Because people are hurting for real yeah, over this. And I, I totally understand the temptation, right? I mean, Jesse, we've talked a lot about yeah. our kind of evolution sure, yeah. in our non-belief and how I'm sure it's not the same for everybody, but at least for me, I know that in the beginning of coming out of my, my religious belief, I was very angry <laughs> and even hearing people talk about their beliefs would make me very frustrated because I felt it was so illogical and so harmful and hateful. Um, and there was that period of 
anger that was very strong. And then it, it slowly kind of reduced. And it's not to say that it's gone. It's for sure there. It's for sure there with me. Did you listen to last episode where I fucking freaked out? Yeah. I mean, it's for sure there. Yeah, it pops up. Um, and a, le- a legitimate argument can be made like Aaron's making. Yeah. Um, I think my point is just that I don't know if this is the way to kind of convince people or the time. Yeah. You know? For sure, that's that's an element to it. Yeah. So... I I would ask this question. When the Taliban blew up some Buddhist monument that was, again, you know, a millennia old, people were outraged the world over. Well, that's a religious monument. Buddhism isn't without its faults relative to, to the oppression of other people, the classes of people. Um... And I, I don't know I don't know your 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 particular situation, Aaron. So it's hard for me to level this question. But it, I would I would have you ask yourself if you feel the exact same way when mosques get destroyed in war torn Iraq, mosques that have been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Do you? Do you have the same? Yeah, who fucking cares? That's a monument to human oppression. Then if you're consistent, your your argument holds up as far as your credibility is concerned. But there's a lot of people right now who are who don't feel that way. Who don't who don't have it cross the spectrum. You know, you know what I mean? It's it's uh Again, it's hard for me because a valid argument can be made that the Catholic Church is for sure from the perspective of the preponderance of the of the evidence and what we know about it, not a good thing, mostly. But that doesn't take away from some of the good things, the actual legitimate good things that give people comfort, that give people joy, that actually help the sick and the downtrodden. Yeah, there's a lot of child rape, and for me... That's enough to shut the whole fucking thing down on its face. However, Notre Dame is a, is a work of art. It's beautiful. And architecture is one of those things that did not suffer because of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't let it go into disarray and just fall down into cr- and crumble because of the fact that it was the, the Catholic Church is responsible for its building. I, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. I have a suggestion for Aaron, um, a new target for his ire. Um, the people who took it upon themselves to show everybody that uh, they had been to Notre Dame yeah. because Notre Dame was on fire. It turned into vacation pictures real fucking quick. Mm-hmm. I I understand this impulse. I totally do. But it was a very, it was strange to me. It was strange to it log in. It is making and, it about them. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Been there. Yeah. That's That's weird. Yeah, I mean, was, I've never been there. It was a little strange. Yeah, I know. It's like we've never been there. So maybe if we had our pictures, we'd be doing it too. <laughs> well, I, I, I wonder. Hey, you know, here's another thing. Here's another thing. I just, I, I, it came to me. What does Aaron think about uh, the White House? What if the White House burned to the ground? Or the United States Capitol building? Certainly the White House built by slaves could be considered uh, a monument to human oppression. I don't know. I just anyway. I, we're getting. I'm dragging us back in, but 
Yeah. Well, it's okay. I mean, these are the good conversations to have, Aaron. So we appreciate you sending the email. Um, This is why we read the perspective from the audience so that we can have these conversations. I'm sure there are many people listening that feel the same way as Aaron, that we're listening to his words and thinking, hell yeah. Right. Um, I'm sure other people were listening to it and like, wow, this is kind of this is a little much. Yeah. Um, But that's why we do this. Like I said, an argument. uh, Your argument's not invalid. I would just say this. Just stop being so fucking wrong all the time, Aaron. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So we also got a message from Josh. Thanks, brother. We appreciate it. Josh says, I love the show and appreciate all that you guys do and your willingness to engage in the conversation. Rep Omar's comments about owing allegiance between two countries have been a bit skewed. Even regular media outlets appear to. What Rep Omar said about allegiance between two countries was about her and her colleagues. Factcheck.org has a good article about it. I'm not sure I agree with Jesse's statements in episode 504 about Omar's speech with care about 9-11. Are Muslim people supposed to say the terrorists are bad and I condemn them for what they did and they do not represent most Muslims every time 9-11 is talked about? That seems a bit unreasonable to me. I mean, we don't make white history teachers make sure to condemn slavery every time they talk about it. If, if, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Come on, Josh. Are you fucking kidding me? Every teacher, whatever color, should fucking condemn slavery, slavery when they talk about it. Um, and it go, continue. God damn. I, if I have misunderstood what Jesse said, then I apologize. I really do like the show. I have one last question for Jesse. Do Why you- am I so wrong all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think because Rep Omar wears a hijab that she is a fundamentalist? Yes, I've said that on the pe- in the past. Rep Omar's voting record doesn't seem to reflect the ideals of a fundamentalist. I mean, think about how Islamic fundamentalists generally act like. If you believe... Is he done? Is that over? That is the end okay. of the message. If you believe that uh, your, your invisible uh, sky boss the your invisible creator in 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 the sky the in, the the being that created everything seen and unseen can see into the past and deep far into the future knows your every most secret dark thought and everything about you can count the hairs on your head knows when each sparrow falls from the sky and on and on and on that that being gives a fuck about whether a woman has her hair covered. Hair that that being created. And you need to cover it with the scarf. That's a fundamentalist view. Well, th- whether her whether her voting record is, that's a fundamentalist view. So I'd be interested to know what Josh is getting at here. Okay, cuz he says uh think I mean think about how Islamic fundamentalists generally act like. Okay, what does that mean? What are they generally... Like, what are you getting at? Because... So if you saw um, a woman at the grocery store wearing what appeared to be colonial garb, um, would you look at her and say, oh, look at that Christian fundamentalist? Uh, Yes. Right? (laughs) Oh, you're asking me or Josh? Josh. (laughs) And I'm assuming that Josh probably would. Yeah, sure. So if you're wearing the traditional kind of fundamental... Like an Amish lady. Yeah. yeah. If you're you if you're wearing the outfit that signals yes. to other people that you are a member of this religious tribe, right? And people can identify you based on your clothing mm-hmm. as a member of that religious tribe. 
um, that that speaks to your level of engagement with those beliefs. Also, I would ask this. I think it is it's a little I don't want to say prejudice, but for lack of a better term and for time, since I'm not going to pause to think about a fucking better word. Um, what is Josh meaning? Well, what are most Muslim fundamentalists like? Does he is he in, insinuating that they're they're fucking terrorists? Because I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have fundamentalism within religion. Islamism and fundamentalist Islam are different things, I believe. One is kind of a Wahhabist root from Saudi Arabia. She's not Saudi Arabian. I mean, that that has spread all throughout Islam. Um, I just, I guess we're maybe equivalent in terms and it's hard to, to navigate because it's an email. But yes, I absolutely believe her to be a fundamentalist. Okay, so his his first question. I also believe I also believe uh, Ben Shapiro wearing a yarmulke every fucking moment of his life is a fundamentalist. So his first question: um, Are Muslim people supposed to say that terrorists are bad and that they condemn them for what they've done and that they do not represent most Muslims every time nine eleven is talked about? I don't know. I mean, every time I don't know. I just think in general, I was speaking generally last episode that. Um, that the, the just like white Christians have a responsibility to say that not that is not us. They are bastardizing our faith when talking about white nationalists and, and white supremacists. Uh, they have a responsibility. And I also believe Muslims have a responsibility to separate themselves, to separate the bad actors from the religion. And if not for us and society and civilization, do it for themselves to make things easier on them for from a public relations standpoint. That that's what I was getting at. Generally, I don't I'm not prescribing that every moment, every time you see a fucking 9-11 sticker, you run up to the person whose car it's on and knock on their window and say, Hey, not all Muslims are like that. And I'm not that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I and I'm I'm not putting on Josh that he thinks that's what I was saying, but mm-hmm. I'm saying you know in in reasonable moments. I mean maybe not because it was a speech to other Muslims at a at a gathering. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. So contrary to popular belief, Brittany Page. So while we're on the topic <laughs> of religion, I want to talk about a new analysis from a political scientist at Eastern Illinois University and a Baptist pastor named Ryan Burge. I follow him on Twitter and have watched his following grow a bit. Um, And he released this new analysis that was covered by CNN. Mm. And for the first time, no religion has topped a survey of Americans' religious identity. Yes. Like there's no... The people who claim no religion. Oh, no. I see what you're saying. So he found that 23.1% of Americans now claim no religion. Catholics came in at 23% and evangelicals were at 22.5%. So it's wow. close. So, But there's no 50%. There's no large preponderance of, of the population that is one thing. Right. It's, it's bifurcated, you know, segmented by several different gro- groups. Yes. And that's great. Yeah. Um, but this and is, we're growing. We are growing. Our group. The religious nuns is there. Yeah. Is, yes. I don't like nuns. Because you always have to nuns like like none like a like a cat like a you know mm-hmm. yeah well n o n e s yes none Ryan Burge says this is the first time we have seen this quote the same questions have been asked for forty four years 
He also estimates that no religion will be the largest group outright in four to six years. Hmm. Mm -hmm. In the United States. Yes. Because that's on a worldwide basis, that would be contrary to like what Conrad Hackett Mm -hmm. from Pew Research. Right. uh, What he says. Pew, 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 about where religion is heading or where atheism or non-belief is heading into the future. That Islam is growing it's becoming the predominant faith on the planet right and i believe because we went to his lecture about the future of religion in the world and he did talk about how the, the the population of nuns religious nuns is going to grow right it's going to continue to grow however at a certain point it's going to stop and and that growth you'll see is just going to be stunted. That's their prediction. And then their it, projection. And then Islam is going to take over. And I think by like 2050 that Islam is going to be the dominant religion by far. Yeah. And this is something that freaks people out. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> e- think? Even though they're not freaked out by Christians <laughs> yeah. being the dominant religion right now. Christianity. Glenn Beck is going to... He'll be fucking dead by then. But uh, he's not going to be happy. That's going to be a bummer for him. Him and Donald Trump are, are going to be crying. Mm. A lot of lot of tears, uh huh. Which is you know kind of par for the course for uh, Glenn Beck. He's a he's a crier like me. Yeah, kind of a booby crier, like just a mopey. I I do want to say tears. Not I, not a pretty crier, Glenn Beck. Yeah, you know I, why? Fucking Mormon. Okay. <laughs> I do want to say that the unfortunate thing about the large population of the non-religious in America is that they are not represented in Congress. Yeah. So even though this population continues to grow, there's not one open atheist in in what is called the most diverse Congress in history. I think Cinema um, from Arizona is. Oh. I think so. Open atheist? I think so, yeah. Says, I don't believe in God. Yeah. Did we talk about this? I think so. We did? I don't know if we talked about it, but I, I believe she is one. I think there may be one in the house. Maybe. Well, this article's wrong. Man. Well, listen, here's the deal. Even if it's just two out of 535, that's not representative of the population. Mm-hmm. And just as, as, as women have a problem, justifiably, that they're not equally represented that 52% of Congress isn't women, so should people of, of no religious faith that you're being represented by someone who claims to believe something that you don't, something fundamental. They believe something that's not provable. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. So uh, cinema is openly unaffiliated. Okay. But well, so, she it takes issue with the atheist label or has in the past. And I don't blame her for that because there's a lot of assholes. They, you know, have hijacked the, the name atheist. Well, it's, it's also... Sam Harris's who, who buddy up to white supremacists. I also, I don't think that that's primarily the reason that people have a negative reaction to the word atheist. Atheists are distrusted, right? Yeah, yeah. Even, even, even by without, other atheists. Yeah. Right. And even without <laughs> those people making a, a, a bad name for atheists, people just don't trust people who don't believe in God. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's fine. So she may take issue with being called an atheist because she needs to get elected, uh, but she may actually identify as an atheist in her private life and i sure i'm sure that's the case for many people actually that's why they that's why they clarify in many of these articles when they talk about it open atheist right because likely there are atheists in congress it's just they can't say that because no one will vote for them yeah Mitt romney there's no way he'd be elected (laughs) (laughs) 
He has yeah. to lie about being a fucking moron. Well, he is doing a bang up job covering up his atheism. <laughs> You'd never know. Yeah. You think he's really into that whole LDS thing. That's prick shit. Huh? <laughs> All right. That's prick shit. Listen, thank you for your calls. Thank you for emails, everybody. We appreciate the conversation. It is the mission of the show to help move the conversation forward, even when we disagree, even when I'm fucking wrong, even when I'm angry. You know, we need to all strive to be more reasonable. Um, and something we talked about last time that I think is very important, and that's, and I fail at this every fucking moment of my life, and that is, I think we need to strive to do a better job of changing hearts and minds. And like like I said, it, it feels real good. It's a selfish thing because it feels good to be pissed off and, and sit on your moral high ground perch. But if you're not changing hearts and minds, then you're not making the world or place. And I'm speaking to myself more than anything. And uh, I want to do a better job, and I hope you all want to do a better job of putting that into practice. So I may, maybe, Brittany, you can hold my feet to the fire more when I'm uh, not doing that. Yeah, I will say that that's really difficult because so often you just go off the rails and wow. I'm left here like, there's so many things he's wrong about. What do I do? <laughs> you know, it's really hard. <laughs> wow. I walked into a fucking bandsaw. <laughs> Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. So we have... You seem taken uh, by surprise. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, here we go. So <laughs> we have Darren... Who doubled his pledge. Darren! Yes. And then we have a new Patreon supporter, and their name is Cyborg Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh my God, Cyborg Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Really lucky to have that her. That is fan-fucking-tastic. Just, yes, lovely. I wish that Ruth, the real Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a cyborg at this point, because <laughs> then she would live a lot longer, and we wouldn't have the worry that we have, because... Every, I'm not kidding. It's several times a week that I think, oh, fuck, I don't want to wake up tomorrow and have the news be that she passed away. Well, don't put that out there. I'm not, it doesn't matter if I put it out there. It's not going to have any effect on anything. You know, so... What, do you we, think I could speak things into existence? So let's have a conversation about this. So I... What are you, fucking Seymour? So I... When I hear um, sirens, like that was for Brett number one, by the way. When I hear sirens, that's really great. Is making jokes that are for one person in the audience. Um, So when I hear sirens, I'm a professional. Yeah, for like ambulances, (laughs) and there's some sort of emergency going on. I kind of pause and say like a little positive thing about how I hope everything's okay. So I do something that's a one uh, for a one person joke, and now you're going to say something that. That no, is... we're having a conversation oh, about this. Oh, is that, is that what happened? Yes. Okay. And um, I was telling my friend about this, and he started laughing at me and was like, oh, so, yeah, you don't pray, but you, you're going to do that. You're going to send a little well wish to the ambulance. And he started mocking me like a dick. Didn't he also say what I say as well? Nothing I can do. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> what happens already happened. So, <laughs> which is true. That's true. I Pretty mean, true. really, you have no control over it. There's going to be, there, it makes no, absolutely no difference what I do. And I understand that. But I feel anxious when I hear yeah, an it's ambulance. yourself down. And I feel concerned about people. And How dare you care about people? It's just a little thing that I do. And I understand it is just as meaningless as praying to what is a creator of the earth and trying to convince that person to save the person that the ambulance is on the way to. So I understand all that. But anyway, what was the point of this? Something you said set me off. Probably talking about Patreon. The other way that you can support the show <laughs> is by buying the merch that we have at dollamore.info. There's all kinds of stuff there. T-shirts and mugs and totes um, that are totes cool. Wow. That's an overdone joke. Anyway, uh, we would love to have your support. Every little bit goes a long way to help keep the lights on, move the conversation forward, help the show grow. And speaking of growing, this will be the last thing to say on the matter. If you really want to help and aren't in a, well, if you really want to help, whether you're in a financial position or not to do so, you could tell a friend. That would be a, a tremendous way to help grow the show and and uh, help us. And we would appreciate it very much. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. As Josh was addressing in his email, Ilhan Omar is not in a good way right now. Donald Trump has chosen to personally attack her with to his 61 plus million Twitter followers and has tweeted out videos with nine of the buildings crashing down. We, we talked about this last time. And um, Anderson Cooper, once again, this show is becoming the Anderson Cooper Hour. Um did a really good job of calling Donald Trump out for his hypocrisy related to Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. In a presidency littered with shattered norms, there is now one more. A member of Congress says President Trump has put her life at risk, not her political life or her electoral fortunes, but her actual physical safety. The Congresswoman is Ilhan Omar, a freshman Democrat from Minnesota and one of the first two Muslim women in congressional history. On Friday, the president tweeted an incendiary video that included a snippet of something Congresswoman Omar recently said about September 11th, mixed with horrific images from that day. In all caps, the president wrote, we will never forget. Now, the president says the congresswoman was dismissive of the attacks. She says he's taking her words out of context, and that in recent days she's seen an increase in threats, some directly referencing the president's tweet. Now the Capitol Police and House Sergeant-at-Arms are assessing whether the congresswoman needs enhanced security. The White House says the president was not trying to incite violence, but otherwise stands by the tweet. Now, keep it honest, it's not the first time the president has sought to use Islam as a way of inflaming tensions and scoring political points. I'm not talking about radical Islam or Islamists, but Islam, the religion itself. Do you think Islam is at war with the West? I think Islam hates us. There's something, there's something there that there's a tremendous hatred there. There's a tremendous hatred. We have to get to the bottom of it. There is an unbelievable hatred of us. In, in Islam itself? Uh, you're going to have to figure that out. Well, Kennedy Trump also called for a blanket ban on Muslims entering the United States. Again, not dangerous fanatics, not people with known links to terrorist groups, just Muslims. He falsely claimed to have seen thousands of Muslims on rooftops in New Jersey celebrating the September 11th attacks. 
New reporting from CNN political analyst and New York Times White House correspondent Maggie Haberman indicates President Trump is intentionally trying to make Congresswoman Omar a household name, an enemy among enemies, as the 2020 presidential campaign heats up. It's a cynical way to identify all Democrats with her arguably poor choice of words. The irony, of course, is that this is a president who has used a poor choice of words nearly every day of his presidency. But being a hypocrite is clearly not something this president has any fear of or sense of shame about. It's also hard to argue that it's an accident that this president is yet again focusing his ire and his attention on a person of color and a Muslim as well. How many times have we seen this before? An American judge of Mexican descent being labeled, by, being labeled as a Mexican by the president and unable to be impartial. African-American football players choosing to take a knee or called sons of bitches and railed against in a rally in Alabama. The president called countries like Haiti assholes and uh, reportedly implied that Nigerians live in huts. In pres- all presidents have the power of what's known as the bully pulpit to focus the country on things they believe are important. This president doesn't seem to understand the meaning of that phrase, the bully pulpit. He just seems to like the power of the bully. Yeah, that is an understatement. I read an article today, and it was uh, from 538 by Meredith Conroy. And it, it said, are Americans more divided on hashtag me too issues? That's what the title was. But it was really about the disparity in how... Americans, Democrats and Republicans view different issues related to gender and male and female roles. But she also talked about in this article just the differences between Democrats and Republicans and their views on discrimination. And one of the quotes that she wrote in this article, um, she says, quote, Trump's reelection campaign will likely continue to elevate cultural and social issues that tap into divisive beliefs about gender and race yeah. in an attempt to maintain the coalition of voters who, who turned out for him in 2016. And that's really all this is. Absolutely. That's all it is. The attacks on Ilhan Omar are not actually about 9-11. They're not actually about anything well the problem is is that he doesn't mind political expediency literally putting someone in physical danger their family their innocent family putting them in danger he doesn't mind when a crazed follower of his armed with a with a with a weapon goes into a synagogue and kills people he doesn't mind when a guy is mailing pipe bombs all over the fucking country to donald trump's political opponents because he's a sociopath he doesn't care. Of course, it has nothing to do with it. The problem is he's protected by Secret Service and layers of protection. I, you just, we got to get rid of this fucking guy. I also want to read another quote from Jamel Bowie's article in the New York Times. And if you have been receiving the newsletter, you will know that on the first edition of the newsletter, I promoted Jamel Bowie because he is awesome and he is uh he recently got promoted to be a a new york times columnist i think opinion columnist yeah um so he wrote (laughs) instant fact check yes he wrote this why trump won't stop talking about ilhan omar that's what it was called we put it on the facebook page we put it on the twitter page so if you want to go find it go look for it and at the end he wrote this quote The difference between the pre-Trump era and the present, in other words, isn't the substance of belief, but its expression and the force of the venom, contempt and hatred behind it. This is really, again, what the focus needs to be here. Donald Trump doesn't care about 9-11. 
Donald Trump doesn't care he about doesn't anything care. Ilhan right. Omar is saying. What he cares about is he has an opportunity here to ratchet up the fire, the hatred, and to have his base get all excited and rally around him again in their hatred of other. Yeah. That's it. And this is what he's going to continue to do. And this is why Democrats need to be very smart and very careful to not including Ilhan Omar to not give him these opportunities. Yes. Where he can take it and run with it because he's going to. He will. If and, this is one thing he knows how to do, it it's fucking it. fucking works because there are a lot of dummies in, in America. Who are filled with hate. Yes. Yes. You think people really give a fuck about the flag? There's a guy with the, the t-shirt on that's, I, I stand for the flag. And then he's sitting on the flag drinking his drink on the, on, the, on the field. They got a photo of him. Get the fuck out. These people don't care. These people aren't patriots. These are white supremacist, white nationalist assholes who only want Donald Trump to remain in power so their particular hateful ideologies can be can be uh, realized. Anyway, we're going to skip this other. Democrats are subpoenaing Donald Trump's bank and accounting firm. Good. That's a battle. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play the clip. We're going to move on. Bernie Sanders releases taxes. And I guess I just love the possibility of causing trouble for us here on the show because I know we have a lot of Bernie fans in the in the audience. And uh, I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed in Bernie Sanders. And uh, we're going to talk about it. Breaking news. 2020 presidential Ber- candidate Bernie Sanders has released his tax returns. I got very excited. I started getting ahead of myself. Bernie Sanders is a millionaire. Over the past three years, Sanders made nearly $3 million, which makes him, of course, one of the wealthy people that he himself targets on the campaign trail. We are going to ask the millionaires and billionaires of this country to start paying their fair share of taxes. Billionaires and millionaires have poured hundreds of millions of dollars into the political process supporting Republican candidates, and today is payback time for them. Okay, Sanders tonight, though, insists he is not out to make enemies out of the rich. It's not vilifying to say that people have a whole lot of money, in some cases billions of dollars of wealth, they should pay their fair share of taxes. Okay, Rob Astorino is with me, member of President Trump's 2020 Reelect Advisory Council, and Jess McIntosh, former director of communications outreach for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Okay, Jess, so, look... As I have been saying, Mm -hmm. Sanders is so lucky to live in a capitalist society because he wrote a book about being a socialist and people bought it. And so he got to make all this money. And he's now made, you know, a few million dollars over the past few years because of his book. Um, What do you make of the numbers? Obviously, the past year, his numbers fell uh, half a million dollars. But I mean, all in, he's making a lot of money. I actually don't see too much of a contradiction between being a millionaire and railing against a class that produces millionaires. Where I'm totally dumbfounded is that he has had two years to come up with the so now I'm a millionaire message, and his message is capitalist. He's literally saying, I made a product that the market wanted, and I got rich off of it, and all of you can do that too. I I would have, that's not his message. I I would have suggested that maybe this is a moment to talk about how the system is rigged for people like him, white, male, privileged with a a platform, and that he would want to work to make sure that the system works for everybody. But instead, he just did his really defensive, it's not a crime to write a book, and I I don't know where that's coming from or how that serves him. Well, okay, so Rob, um, he was just asked why he did not pay, because you know, this whole thing about fair share. Oh, yeah. Okay, 
I so he was that. asked about, uh, now he's a millionaire and, 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 and his fair share. And let me play the exchange. Your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. <laughs> Come on. But there, the, I am, I pay the taxes that I owe. And by the way, why don't you got Donald Trump up here and ask him how much he pays in taxes? Okay, the other guy's doing it, Lame. so I'm doing it too is not a good yeah. answer. Okay, I think we all can agree that was not a good answer. Eh. But he eh. should have been ready for that. And by the way, I don't know how a millionaire's paying 26%. He's got a good accountant. I also, I, I to be fair, I don't think it was a good question either. Oh, for sure not. Well, Brett Baer is, is a, he's a Donald Trump guy. Yeah. Uh, Hanging out at fucking Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Trying to be his... Uh, journalistic integrity guy mm-hmm. not a good question but um but but yes so but you don't what about ism when you just got asked when this is your issue absolutely i agree and the other problematic thing is that so bernie sanders released a decade's worth of tax returns that's right and the documents show that sanders income ranged from two hundred and five thousand to 1.1 million while his charitable giving ranged from less than one percent to just over 4%, depending on the year. Yeah. Let me... Look. But... I, I'm not gonna... I don't begrudge him being a millionaire. I don't ab- begrudge him that. Absolutely not. And I, I don't even begrudge him paying the 26%. Because the argument shouldn't be people shouldn't be rich. It should be if you, you are rich, you should pay your fair share. You should pay more of a percentage of your income... Because you have benefited from the system far more than someone who is not, someone who is poor. And for him to say, after they it's revealed he paid 26%, a lower percentage than I pay. And he says, well, I paid, I paid, I paid what was due. I paid what was asked of me. Really? Is this is this the the socialist savior that everyone talks about? The democratic socialist savior that we rail raves about? Oh, Bernie, so much integrity. Nope, I don't buy it. And I'm not saying he should have cut a check to the IRS for more, but at the very least, at the very least, the Bernie Sanders we've come to know and love and some really trust. You'd think he'd give more than 1%. One, than less one than one. I know 4% too. Mm-hmm. But you'd think, well, okay, we'll say 4%. Mm-hmm. So that brings his taxable income, that he, whether through charity or through taxes, to 30%. That's still not in Bernie Sanders' territory. This is bothersome to me because this is fucking hypocrisy. He can scream and yell about uh, making millionaires and billionaires pay their fair share, which, by the way, has changed. Now his language, and this is true, is multimillionaires and billionaires. That's the language that he's using now. Are you serious? Yes. So the Sanders team tried to get out ahead of this news with the charitable giving uh, by issuing a statement and talking about the proceeds from one of his books called The Speech. 
And he said that they are uh, the proceeds for that book are donated directly to charity. Quote, the Sanders do not take a tax deduction for those contributions, so they do not show up on their tax returns. Mm -hmm. The Sanders donations have gone primarily to senior centers, low income organizations, educational entities and environmental and housing advocacy groups. And they said over the last decade, Bernie and Jane Sanders have donated more than $100,000 to charity. The overall charitable giving rates have been roughly in line with the average rates in America as a whole. The statement read. Oh, so he's, yeah, I'm, I'm doing what average people do. Well, oh my God, I want to vote for you because you're better than us. Yes. You're qualified to be president because you do what everybody else does. Get the fuck out of here. So it is a little disheartening. And I know also that... Um, I voted for Bernie in the primary, too, everybody. I know also that Bernie and people like Rucker Bregman and the people that have the economic views that they do aren't advocating that rich people give more to charity. That's not their solution. It's that's that right. they pay more in taxes. Yes. Right? And that's probably where Brett Bear was going with that question. Right? Um, he just phrased it terribly, uh, which is fine because he makes a lot of money and uh, he deserves that job. So uh, <laughs> um, well, he has to make a lot of money so we can, you know, hang out at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. With Donald I, Trump. I do want to say one thing, which is we should be able to have these conversations. Right. As people on the left have these difficult conversations about the candidates because these are important issues. Yeah. And it isn't that we can't accept criticism or that we can't acknowledge that the people on our side are flawed. Um, we should be able to do that and we should be able to have conversations about it without getting emotionally uh, overwhelmed and upset. Well, yes? I, I want to know... Listen, I knew going into this, we're going to be upsetting people. People are going to, well, let's not, let's not say that. I don't want to assume people are upset. I think we have a mature enough and responsible enough, uh, uh, emotionally intelligent enough audience that they're going to disagree, but also know I'm, you know, I, I speak passionately. And look, I don't think that uh, this denote or um, uh, eliminates his, his, his running for president. I don't think it disqualifies him. I, I don't think that uh, it means he has zero integrity. I just think, uh, you know, money talks sometimes. He doesn't want to give away more than he has to. Just like any good billionaire, he doesn't want to give away what he's earned. This would have been an indictment of someone in the 2016 campaign from Bernie Sanders. So has he become the thing that he railed against? That he started this political revolution over? I don't know. I'm sure we're going to hear. I would love to hear from some die-hard Bernie Sanders supporters. And if you're going to call in or write into the show, do not... Give us some lame fucking Donald Trump supporter type of defense. Don't give us, well, Donald Trump, blah, 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 so blah, blah, blah. If 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 Bernie's gonna be better, we're not we don't want to elect another Donald Trump. We don't want to elect the ad well, it's what average people do, it's re what regular people do. I wanna I wanna vote for someone who inspires me. I want the man or woman to be smarter than me, to be better than me, to be better than my neighbors. Otherwise, I'd fucking run for president. Come on.
And the justification for Bernie's behavior shouldn't be, like I just said, well, Donald Trump. No. You practice what you preach. You, you, you exhibit servant leadership. And that's not what I'm seeing right now. And, and really, I'm, I'm angry because I'm very disappointed. But we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos of angry messages to I doubt it at Dollamore straight from your smartphone. So I guess we'll end the show with a little asshole of today. It's the asshole of today. Clarence Thomas. Oh, yeah. Clarence Thomas is a Supreme Court justice, in case you didn't know. He sure is. And he was giving a speech at a banquet for Pepperdine University mm. School of Law. Mm-hmm. Christian school. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 Right here. Well, Malibu, and there's also a campus here in Irvine. Yeah. And he, he obviously got into some religious discussion while he, he was there. Why wouldn't he? So during his appearance, he was asked about the interaction in 2017 between Senator Dianne Feinstein and Amy Coney Barrett. Remember, Amy Coney Barrett was the judge. Yeah, and if Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, passes away, she's likely to be a, a Supreme Court justice. Yes, and... She's a religious nutterbutter. And she was being asked about how her beliefs might influence her decisions as a federal judge when she was nominated. And the line of questioning was criticized by a lot of people as going too far in like asking about her beliefs on abortion and her previous pro-life stances and things like that and how that might um, influence her in her decision making yeah. as a federal judge. Valid question. Right. And people like Clarence Thomas believe that that sort of questioning is essentially a form of religious persecution. <laughs> yeah, she's persecuted. And so this came up during his appearance and he said, quote, I don't think I know a single judge that had allowed religion to interfere with their jobs. Okay, and he went on to talk about how you take an oath, right? And he said that, uh, referencing Scalia, the the late Justice Scalia, that they both felt that it would be quote a violation of his oath to somehow allow his faith to displace the law. Hmm. Okay, talking about the relationship between faith and law. I, I believe that too, if that's true. And he said, quote, because we took an oath to enforce the law and interpret it impartially. And we took it very seriously. Yes. Okay, talking about the oath. He took it further, though, did he not? He did. So then he went on to talk about people who don't believe in God and uh, what us, happens when they take an oath. Us religious nuns. He said, quote, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting in a profession where we all take an oath that they would look at people who have strong faith as somehow not good people. When if you're an atheist, what does an oath mean? That's right. So he's saying that you shouldn't be able to be a federal judge. You take an oath to do a job because if you 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 swear or affirm to something, that oath is meaningless to you because you don't believe in gods. Mm -hmm. So our military 
Atheists should be prohibited from serving. They should be prohibited from testifying in court. Um, what else? What, what other things should the Supreme Court justice believe atheists should be um, barred from? Treated as second-class citizens. Not enjoy equal justice under the law. Supreme Court justice and God-believer Clarence Thomas. And today's asshole of today. Mm-hmm. Well, because this is playing right into what we talked about earlier, which is this view of atheists as immoral. I mean, you you hear it right here where he talks about people who have strong faith. How could people believe they're not good people when if you have an atheist, well, what does an oath even mean to the atheists? Right. They're not good people. Yeah, all those priests who raped all those kids, those thousands of kids, those thousands of priests. Well, they're religious. They're good people. Mm-hmm. How could you think they're not good people, Brittany? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. So, disappointing, but uh, not surprising. Coming disappointing, from not Thomas. surprising. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, with that good news, everybody, we're going to leave you. <laughs> we, we appreciate you joining us twice a week or as often as you do your participation in this show is uh, is not just appreciated it is vital and I think we're all doing a service getting our, our thoughts on the record and having conversations as protracted as they may be sometimes anyway we are going to go like I've said if you enjoy the show go rate and review us on iTunes if you enjoy the show Uh, subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. If you enjoy the show and you're in a financial situation where you can help support the show, even a little bit, even two, five dollars, seven dollars a month, the price of a cup of coffee or a couple cups of coffee go a long way toward uh, the next step, the next evolution of this program, which will be having a dedicated studio again uh, for the YouTube videos. You're also supporting that. And also for a place where we can have a dedicated spot for guests to come in and, you know, expand the content that way, too. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next time where we'll be talking about the Mueller report. (laughs) I'm excited. And until then, we'll see you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. It's your boy, Socialist Steve, coming at you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 